0: Log Talk Radio. and this week's live broadcast of The Way of Healing. My name is Susan Brozek. I'm a licensed clinical Christian psychotherapist and founder of Healing Word Psychotherapy Services, my private practice. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Tonight we're going to be taking a look at avoiding double-mindedness, the importance of renewing our mind. So if you've ever wrestled with your thought patterns or belief systems, And if you desire to learn the pitfalls of being double-minded, which we'll define in the course of this broadcast tonight, uh, this show will help you address these issues. How we think leads to how we feel, which in turn leads to what we do. So I'll break down what it means to be double-minded and how, through the Lord's help, as we allow him to help us examine and process our thoughts according to the truth of his word, we can be of sound mind and truly have the mind of Christ. So any of us who've lived on this planet for any amount of time um, understand that there is a battle in our mind. And um, whoever dictates or controls our thinking ultimately is going to dictate and control our lives. So if the enemy of our soul can direct our mind without our even being aware of it, at times, by our simply choosing to go along with the kind of tides of the emotions of the moment, then the enemy can can also have influence over our behavior. So double-mindedness, as scripture says, causes a person to be unstable in all their ways. And we'll dig deeper into that uh, momentarily. So it's important not to put all kinds of emphasis on how we feel. And that's actually Against what our culture would say our culture would say follow your heart our culture would say honor your feelings do what you feel uh, Do what makes you feel good and all of those types of? um, uh, Kind of predisposed ways of thinking uh, Conditioning us to go by our emotions instead of by the truth of the word of God can really lead a person off track Um, I always encourage the patients I see at my practice to not make important decisions when they are very emotional or to make important decisions based on how they feel because feelings are fickle and they can change from moment to moment and day to day. And so they're volatile that way. So we can't depend on our emotional state to provide us with wisdom. The enemy, however, will, will try to get us to go with our fleshly, our carnal nature, which includes our feelings, and try to get us to live our lives according to uh, what we feel. Um, And so one of the things that can cause a person to become double-minded is to really live according to what they feel at that particular moment in time. Well, I feel like I really need to go out and purchase a new car. I really feel like I need this in my life, or I feel like I want to do this, or I'm feeling low, so I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go pursue this. And, and it's, it's just a very, um, as the word says, unstable way of living. We need a plumb line of truth. And that plumb line of truth is always found in the word of God. Uh, because, again, feelings change quickly and oftentimes without warning. So this is why it's so critical that we learn how to commit to mind renewal. And I I talk about this a lot. Um, the word tells us to renew our minds. And that's how we're transformed from glory to glory. Uh, we need to, to learn how to allow the Holy Spirit and the mind of Christ to be in full control in our lives. And then we can be assured that it's going to be God's light that shines forth through us and not our own self shining forth, if you will. And we won't have to wrestle and waver between two opinions, which is another uh, point that the Bible makes about being double-minded. So God wants us to live free, and he wants us to live free from ourselves, and free from others' responses, freed from our circumstances and the power that we give our circumstances, and also freed from the enemy's deception. Um, and that freedom allows us first to be transformed and then for others to see Jesus in us. And finally, for us to pass on the gospel, ultimately, um, that all would hear uh, the good news and the word of God. Um, So consequently, our efforts to change should not be focused on our wrong actions, but on our wrong thinking and our faulty thinking patterns. Unhealthy would be a less stigmatizing way to say it uh, rather than wrong um, because people don't necessarily understand that the way they're thinking is quote-unquote wrong. it's, uh, It's not beneficial and it's unhealthy. And can lead us down the wrong uh, bad pathway so as we're looking at um, kind of letting the Lord go deeper with our our thought patterns that's really the at the core of how we can make changes in our lives and I um, in my field am considered a cognitive behavioral therapist and that's just a a fancy clinical term uh, that basically um, means that what you think about affects how you feel which affects what you do and that's actually scriptural where uh, the Word of God says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It starts with those thoughts. That's where everything originates. And so that's why I wanted to put just a, a special emphasis on a program like this tonight because I think there's so much happening in our world right now. If, if our thinking is led astray or if we're deceived Um, by what we might read or watch or hear. Um, We, even just a 1% deception can really lead us astray if it continues um, on down the road. So um, part of my motivation for doing this tonight was um, to also just encourage us all to make sure that our thinking patterns are really keyed into um, the truth of God's word and not uh you know ha- ha- where we put ourselves in a position to believe that everything we hear or believe everything we read or believe everything that uh, the big alphabet media tells us on television um, we really need to be discerning and we need to be careful about our thoughts a lot of times they'll say think about what you're thinking about because that's where everything gets started is in our mind um, so Romans twelve two 2 um, is a favorite scripture related to this, and it says, I beseech you, which means I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the merits of God, I'm sorry, the mercy of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the acceptable, good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Um, and so that scripture passage really um, highlights for us how important it is that um, we need to be reflecting the, the mind of Christ and, and not be conformed to how this world thinks and what the world basically tells us to think. Um, we've all heard, I'm sure, the debates about social media platforms and Section 230 and people sharing opinions that aren't in the mainstream and even for Christians, um, you know, being uh, pushed back against, um, that, they are trying to conform the way we think. Um, and that is a really dangerous thing. <laughs> um, our thoughts are our own and our thoughts um in a, in a healthy, you know, in a healthy individual who knows who they are in the Lord are going to line up with the mind of Christ, not the mind of the media or the mind of Facebook or any, um, other influences that are so strong right now in our society and in our world. Um, so the bottom line, uh, wrong thinking equals wrong actions. So as we go forward tonight, um, just keep that in mind. That where we think is the starting point uh, for everything else that flows into what we feel and, and what we do, so just as God has a plan to prosper us and not harm us to give us hope in a future, as jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, the enemy also has a scheme for us, but his scheme is for our destruction, so God has a plan to prosper and not harm, but the enemy has a scheme. For our destruction. So there's that counterfeiting um, that the enemy does. He can't create anything original. Um, he can't create. He is a created being. And as such, he can only counterfeit and put uh, diabolical twists on um, what God meant for good um, and try to uh, affect us as his children to ruin the plan that God has for us, like Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven says, so that we don't walk in our calling. Uh, part of the enemy's scheme is uh, includes being double-minded. And so double-mindedness really kind of halts our transformation process when it comes to being transformed from glory to glory, as I mentioned before. Um, and double-mindedness, if you break it down to its core, refers to our inability to commit either one way or the other. We may live with one foot in the world and the other foot in church, and I'm sure a lot of people listening have heard that phrase. Um, What that essentially breaks down to in terms of theology is Um, we need to choose whether we're going to walk according to the flesh, the unregenerate carnal nature, or we're going to choose to walk according to the spirit, which is the new creation self, which is our new identity of who we are in the Lord. Once we accepted Christ as our savior. So we always have that choice before us. We can either walk according to the flesh or according to the spirit. Um, Also double mindedness, um, can cause us to perhaps not even really make a choice which way we want to go for sure. It can cause passivity. Um, Fear of making the wrong decision can toss us back and forth um, to such a point that we make no decision at all. And that also can be a strategy or a tactic of the enemy because if we live our life like that, um, it's much harder to reflect the glory of God if we're constantly stuck in a state of indecision. Um, As I stated before, we'll also be unstable in all of our ways, as it says in James. And Luke 11 says, a house divided against itself stands. So there again is another reference to division and how division will bring collapse and can even bring destruction. Um, The enemy will be able to build uh, more fortified strongholds in our lives if we live in a double-minded manner. And he can continue to insert his lies. Um, These are known also in scripture as the fiery darts of the wicked one. Doubts and temptations, uh, those things can keep us, um, again, in a state of not taking one path or the other. um, Or in the case of giving into a temptation, um, going down a path that the Lord would not have for us to go down. Um, We can end up conforming to the world if we're double-minded and not be transformed out of it. Um, We'll be ignorant of the mind of Christ and the power and the authority that we possess because of having the mind of Christ. And part of this broadcast, too, is to encourage Listeners, that we can have the mind of Christ by studying His Word. That's our source for that. When we really get His Word, not just into our, our mind, but also into our heart, to where we we pull it in and really make it part of ourselves and live according to that. That's having the mind of Christ, and that's living according to the mind of Christ. That's life in the Spirit, and that's the abundant life. Um, so if we continue to waver, um, we can end up serving the law of sin, but not the law of of God. Um, so these are some really strong, in my opinion, motivational reasons for asking God to give us um, a united heart to fear His name. That's a, that's uh, also listed in Psalms: "Unite my heart to fear Your name," um, so that when we're united in heart and not divided in heart. We can live a life moving forward with a single-minded focus and not a double-minded distraction, um, which is so easy, especially in our day and age where good is being called evil and evil is being called good. And it's really kind of an upside-down funhouse world in this last year and a half or so where things have really accelerated. Uh, in terms of the evil being put forth and um, the confusion that comes with that, um, the enemy loves to confuse people. If you can keep them confused, they're easier to dominate and to control where, where God is not the author of confusion. So we have to make sure if we're in the state of confusion that we understand that that's not coming from the Lord, that we're being influenced by other sources. Um, When we seek God, he gives us perfect peace. When we seek wisdom, he gives it liberally to us. And confusion is not part of that picture in terms of who we are as children of the most high God. So what are some of the ways uh, that the enemy tries to keep us double-minded and keep us in that state? The first thing to note is that since the word we speak are really just exposed thoughts, if you will. Um, if, if the enemy or other, other, you know, the world, culture, resources can get us to think negatively, then we'll start speaking negatively. And as a result of that, we end up making wrong decisions. Power of life and death is in the tongue. Um, so when we, if we're thinking negatively, and then we start speaking that out, that's, there's power in that. Um, the Bible is very clear and has a lot to say about our speech, the words that we speak, times that we should speak, and also times that we should remain silent and not speak. Um, and in this particular case, watching what we speak, because when we speak out negativity, sometimes that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And what I, what I mean by that is, um, if we're having a lot of negative thoughts about ourselves, about our future, our life, and we start speaking that out to our friends or our spouse or just, um, you know, going around and and telling people, you know, how miserable we are and, and all the negative things going on in our lives and our circumstances, if you stay in that mindset, you're just reinforcing um, that negativity and it it actually can cause you to start to walk down that path. And that's where at times it can become what I call a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I want to share with you now, um, three main ways, um, that the enemy would try to keep us double-minded, like I alluded to. So first of all, um, in regards to disobedience to God's word, as God's word says, we need to take every thought captive and have readiness, <clears throat> excuse me, to prevent all disobedience. So the enemy of our soul wants us to be consumed in our own negative thoughts as I was just stating before and I did uh, a broadcast I believe a year or two ago about taking our thoughts captive and that's so important and it's a discipline. Normally we go through life we're not really analyzing each thought and I'm not proposing that you analyze each thought that runs through your head. Uh, obviously that would be impossible and exhausting. But what the word means by taking every thought captive is to let the Holy Spirit be kind of the guard, the watchman, if you will, over our minds. And when we start to go down a negative path with our thinking, um, to ask the Holy Spirit just to give us a check to be aware of that, um, and to um, to take a thought captive that really paints a word picture of laying a net and catching um, that thought, as it were, taking it captive into the obedience of Christ. Um, so it's, it's paying attention to what you're thinking about and not letting it just rule your whole day, but really sitting down and, as I said before, think about what you're thinking about. If you find yourself in a bad mood and feeling bad, think about what was just going through your mind because thoughts create feelings, which create actions. So it's very important that we take our thoughts captive uh, when we sense that they're going in a negative direction. A second way um, that we can stay in double-mindedness is if we begin to doubt God's power to perform his word in our lives. So if we're doubting that God will perform his word, it's not going to help our trust in the Lord. So um, the enemy's strategy is to get us to doubt. Did God really say? He said that to Eve in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? He introduces and interjects that question to try to get us to wonder basically about the goodness of God. If you take it all the way back to what he's doing It's not just about what did God really say, it's about who God really is. Is he really good? Can we really say that God is good and know that he's good and trust him? When we trust him, we won't have doubts about him. The two don't coexist. That doesn't mean there won't be an occasional thought. But our our mentality will be one of trusting in a good God, not doubting whether or not he's good, because that's double-mindedness. And third, um, this is the last point I'll hit on before we go into um, some specific examples of double-mindedness. We also can get um, into double-mindedness if we pridefully follow what we think and what we feel and what we want. So it's kind of like pride is on the throne and pride is totally giving ourselves over to ourselves. It's a level of very high self-interest, um, loving ourselves before loving God. It's kind of saying, I am before God. I'm what counts. I want my will to be done, not not God's will, that type of thing, where we kind of become our own um, you know, means to an end, where we become our own God with a little G, thinking we can run our lives the way we want to. As believers, we know that we don't run our own lives. However, pride is an issue for every human being. And so there you can get to a point where you want things your way. Your flesh kicks up and you want to do it your way. And you might say, I don't care what God thinks about this matter. I'm going to go and do such and such. That's a very dangerous place to be because then you pull yourself out from the protective um, umbrella of the Lord if you stay in a place of open rebellion. That's for another show, but it just kind of uh, gives an example of taking this so far that um, then you have a very long road back. So be aware of pride and how that can really rear its head. And the enemy, of course, being uh, his downfall was pride, he would love to get us to stay in pride, follow our own hurts, not be forgiving, yield to bitterness, and so forth. So that our self-life is what shows and not god's life and this immediately can thwart god's uh, moving in our heart uh, which is stated in second peter also in daniel psalm 73 and ephesians 4 you can look those up um, in the interest of time um, but this can really cause us to literally live a lie And um, it can prevent us from living the life that God's called us to live if we begin to supersede God's will for our life and if we're just um, all about ourselves and not giving God the glory for everything that he's done for us. And if we become hardened in our hearts to doing God's word and living according to his word, we're certainly not going to be a good reflection of him to the rest of the world. And we are to be the salt and the light. And sometimes we might be the only representative of Christ that a person sees. And that's a really sobering thought, um, in terms of how we conduct ourselves around other people. Um, our world needs the Lord now. It always has. It needs him now and it always will need him. And we are to be his representatives. So we can, um, If we do tend to go down this pride road, we can also begin to refuse to be corrected um, or to change at all. And if we live life out of our emotions, um, you can come to a point that you're no longer teachable. And as Christians, I think it's so vitally important that we remain teachable teachability um, is also linked to humility in other words it's that posture of the heart that says I still have so much to learn you can think you know a lot but I found out in my own life that the more I think I know the more I realize I don't know and to maintain that attitude and that posture of being teachable and humble and recognizing that there's so much more that we need to learn I think is is a huge key in terms of how well we walk out our walk with the Lord. Um, when we're able to be uh, to be to receive truth and correction when it's shared um, from those that care about us is is really huge. Authority figures that God has placed in our lives. Um, if we ignore their counsel and if we choose to to not be teachable and not receive what they want to speak into our hearts and our lives and in one sense we're kind of shutting down what god is trying to say to us in a particular situation so obviously we want to weigh all the the wisdom and the advice that we receive that's very important it has to line up with with the word of god but um we also want to be open and say okay lord i heard what this person said is there truth to it that i need to apply help me not to just get a defensive posture and want to defend myself against anything, but Lord, show me what I need to learn. And in that process, it helps us to become single-minded. It helps get us out of double-mindedness. Um, double-mindedness in that situation would say, well, you don't need to listen to so-and-so. What do they know? They've done such-and-such such in their life. That is, and then that causes confusion. If God has sent someone to speak into our lives and that person is speaking truth and love and it aligns with the word of God, we have a responsibility to listen to that and to take it back to the Lord in our quiet time with him and ask him what we, uh, what, what we need to learn from that. So I want to move on now to some common patterns of thinking that can lead us to double-mindedness. And these are really, I think, about a dozen or so examples I'm going to give you of unhealthy ways of viewing life and of viewing the world around us that pave the way to double-mindedness. So think of these as uh, bricks on a road that kind of pave the way um, to a place that we don't want to arrive at in, in terms of how we view life and how we think about the world around us because these um, these patterns that I, I'm about to introduce to you. Um, all inherently contain the potential for living a double-minded life instead of being single-mindedly focused on the Lord and having the mind of of Christ. So um, the first one is excuse making. So excuses are made to protect or justify our own behavior or the behavior of others. So basically, it's not taking responsibility or ownership. It's becoming defensive and um, instead of giving a reason and looking at that reason for a behavior and allowing ourselves to be changed if needed, um, we're making an excuse to justify. Justification and rationalization are uh, two um, things that I, I I see very often used as I work with people um, in terms of, they they have needs to justify their own behavior and, um, you know, the decisions that they made, they they want to explain why that is. And that's human nature for all of us. We all, at times, will justify what we did and we think we're right. And so that's human nature. But it's not the nature of the Lord. and And that's where this goes back to, are we going to live according to our flesh, which is alive and well, but we try not to feed it so it doesn't grow <laughs> or are we going to live according to our new man according to our new creation identity um, which is who we are in Christ who we are in Christ doesn't want to justify bad behavior who we are in Christ doesn't want to live from a point of rationalizing away sin so when we live from that new creation self things actually become much simpler what's difficult is to move from the flesh life into the life of the spirit because our flesh, which is our uh, mind, er, it's comprised of our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, oftentimes we want to live for ourselves and not live that sacrificial life for the Lord. So moving from a fleshly life that's focused on our wants, our desires, to a Christ-centered life, which is who we are in Him and how we can glorify Him, can be a lifelong process and that is the process of sanctification um, okay the second uh thinking pattern the unhealthy thinking pattern that i want to introduce to you is something called polarizing i'm giving you some cognitive behavioral terms that are terms that are used in my field um, that lead to double-mindedness so i'm giving you the 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 term that's used in psychology, but I'm explaining it in ways that I hope are helpful to understand as you kind of do an assessment of your own thinking patterns as we go through this together this evening. Um, So polarizing is viewing situations or people as either all black or all white, with no gray or in between areas. So it's, it's viewing people or life or circumstances in all or nothing terms, this is a extremely <laughs> unrealistic way of viewing the world. Um, you might say to yourself these globalized statements such as I get used by everybody or it was a complete waste of my time. you know things like this where you're you're making a global statement that's all bad or all good um, I don't have time to go into the ramifications of that type of mindset and thinking pattern, but um, suffice it to say, it leads you down very unhealthy paths and certainly leads to double-mindedness because there are so many areas of gray in our lives. And I'm not talking about sin or moral issues here. I'm talking about just how we, our perspectives, our opinions, um, as I said, viewing one person as, a horrible person or a great person or putting somebody on a pedestal or then knocking them down, these these polarizing opposites that we tend to do um, is very double-minded at its core. So beware of that if you're one that views the world in all black or all white terms. Um, the next pattern is blaming and this is really a pattern of avoidance. It's kind of similar to excuse making um it's an excuse of choosing not to solve a problem not to take action or make your own choices and it can build up resentment to put towards someone else for quote causing what is happening so blaming gets the f- focus off of ourselves and on to others and we all know where blame initiated it was initiated in the garden of eden was the first time that we saw blame being exhibited by um, humankind um, so, Adam Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed Satan, and nobody owned up to their own behavior. Um, and so, that's kind of another habit or pattern um, that is really easy to slip into, especially if we're being accused of something we want to immediately shift the blame. Um, the next one is catastrophizing. So, if you think of a catastrophe catastrophe is the worst case scenario catastrophizing is imagining and predicting the worst case scenario at the onset of even the smallest of problems so we believe that what's happened or will happen will be so awful and unbearable that we won't be, won't be able to stand it so you might say some, something to yourself like it would be terrible if I failed this exam it would be horrible if you know we manage our money in a in a in, you know a way that we're wasteful, Um, you know, just scenarios, thinking of the worst-case scenario at the onset of even a slight problem. And the way that this breeds double-mindedness is that we aren't allowing for the grace of God here. God's mercies are new. If we predict out in our minds worst-case scenarios, we're not giving margin the fact that the lord is sovereign and on his throne and and able and willing to help us through um whatever we might be facing i I think another example i see this a lot too is medical you know symptoms uh physical bodily symptoms that come up and people immediately think oh my goodness i have this pain it must be cancer and you know that's kind of this seems to be the default when there's some type of unexplainable symptom, people immediately will jump to that worst-case scenario. Um, so, just an encouragement to not to not uh, to challenge yourself to not do that, um, and instead to give that that concern over to the Lord. And the Word of God says that we are to cast our cares upon Him. And that word "cast" literally means to throw with a force. So we can throw our cares onto him versus in our minds, trying to think of worst case scenarios or fearing worst case scenarios when we have no evidence that anything like that is even occurring. Um, so the next one is rationalizing justifying. I did touch on this and this is again, a way of explaining the reason for things. And what happens from this is it keeps you stuck in the problem. It also breeds double mindedness because if you're making rationalizations, you're not actually owning what you might need to do to make the changes that the Lord is prompting you to make. Um, So it not only wastes energy and time, but it it keeps you nailed down into that that very problem that you're trying to escape from. Uh, The next one is something that I call unfair comparisons. So we tend to interpret events in terms of standards that are unrealistic. For example, we might focus primarily on others who do better than ourselves and then find ourselves inferior in that comparison. He's more successful than I am, something like that. Um, So we take the best of somebody else and we compare it to our worst. And I always say that comparison is the root of losing contentment. When you begin to start looking around at those in your life and you envy what they have or you think somehow you got the short end of the stick compared to them or you look at what they have versus what, you know, any number of things. People are always kind of doing this. They they scan for comparison. They scan for where do they fall on the continuum of success or whatever it might be. That's just so dangerous, and it's also so unhealthy. Um, Looking around needs to be switched to looking up at the Lord and thanking him for what you do have and appreciating what you do have. Um, Instead of having a horizontal focus on other people, really uh, cultivating that vertical focus on your walk with the Lord and um, letting him do the work in you so that you don't feel this need to have to try to measure up to other people. Um, Okay, the next one is regret orientation. Um, And this is focusing on the idea that we could have and should have done better in the past rather than on what we can do better now. So, you know, sitting around saying, I shouldn't have said that. Um, I could have had a better job if I tried. Those are some examples of regret orientation. Kind of living with this underlying constant sense of regret um, is, is very unhealthy. It keeps you in the past, and therefore it keeps you double-minded. Because if you're living from your past, you can't live forward into the future that God has planned for you. Um another unhealthy thinking pattern is called the what ifs um, so this is when we tend to ask, ask ourselves a series of questions uh, questions about what if something happens um, you know keeping ourselves in that mode of the unknown the bad or the you know the bad, worst case scenario unknown, and when we do that, we fail to be satisfied with any of the answers, so you know someone might try to console you if you're, well, what if this happens? What if, you know, what if this is my diagnosis? What if uh, this happens to the financial world? Or this happens, you know, if you stay in that mindset, um, even someone consoling you isn't going to be able to talk you out of it because you'll come back with something else. Yeah, but what if I get anxious? Or what if I can't catch my breath? Or what if we lose our 401k? Or what if I get sick? Or, you know, all of these things um, really breed from a fear base instead of a faith base, And there's that double-minded split right there is we need to live from a platform of faith. If you live from a platform of fear, you're constantly going to be up in your head about all of these different anxietal thoughts and it'll affect every area of your life. It'll affect how well you sleep at night. It'll affect how you function during the day. Um, So... um, Catch those what-ifs and take those captive. Another one that can occur is something called discounting positives. And this is when we claim that the positive things um, that we have or we've accomplished or others have are trivial. Um, In other words, we minimize, we downplay the good and excuse it away. Well, that's what wives are supposed to do. So it doesn't count when... Um, when she's nice to me, a husband might say, or a wife might say, well, that's what husbands are supposed to do. So it doesn't really matter that he did that for me. Or we might say those successes were easy. So they don't count. You know, it's this minimization, this discounting. And I always, I always call patients out on that, <laughs> um, because we need to celebrate the victories. There's enough negation and minimization and, um, downplaying uh, that that goes on the the word of God encourages us um, to celebrate in seasons of celebration to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn and so when something good happens to us or to someone else it's entirely appropriate and even called for that we rejoice about that it's not prideful to be happy about something good happening when we're giving the the glory to God. Um, So it's just an important piece to keep in mind that also helps us stay single-minded when something positive does occur to acknowledge that and be grateful for that instead of cutting it down. Um, The next one is overgeneralizing. This goes a bit back to... The Globalization that I talked about before, um, this is perceiving a global pattern of negative on the basis of a single incident, and what that means is um, taking one one incident, one event, and then making a sort of a blanket umbrella uh, conclusion uh, about that. so for example, this generally happens to me. I seem to feel fail at a lot of things. Or this is always the case with me. I can never do this in the right way. It's, you know, that type of thinking. Um, well, I lost this job. You know, I always seem to lose jobs. It's it's, it's kind of just making a, a global statement about an incident. And that's unhealthy because it's not rooted in truth. There might be truth there um, that we need to look at. But to make a sweeping statement just causes us to spiral down into uh discontentment and discouragement, um, and then we lose heart and that's what discouragement literally means against the heart. So we have to really watch um these overgeneralized terms that that, you know, things are always and never. Always and never statements are especially destructive in relationships. Um, in marriages, in friendships, you always and you never. People hate that. (laughs) People hate to hear that and they don't want to be on the receiving end of that and they don't hear anything else after you say the word always or never. So I highly recommend against using that as an opening sentence when you need to confront someone. Um, But back to a couple more healthy thinking patterns before we close out tonight. Um redefining is a term that means shifting the focus off of the issue at hand in order to avoid solving the problem. It's kind of like a self-distraction. It's a way of not addressing and dealing with the problem. So um, if you're uncomfortable with an issue, um, a lot of times uh, if I'm working with an individual who's uncomfortable presenting to me as their therapist they um, will continue to shift the focus off of that and there'll be a lot of um there can be a lot of rabbit trails there can be other topics that are brought in and so it can be a challenge to um, to keep up that single-minded focus once again to keep your mind on track um, because redefining encompasses ways to distract yourself really from difficult things and from pain. So there's absolutely no no shame or condemnation involved with any of these thought patterns. Um, there's reasons that we develop them as coping skills, but the problem comes in uh, because they don't serve us well and they keep us double-minded. So that's why it's so important to catch these faulty ways of thinking. Um, another one that I want to mention, and then just one more after that, This one is assuming or mind reading in quotes. I'll say mind reading in quotes. This is spending a lot of time presuming that we know what others think and feel or what their motives are without sufficient evidence. So this is really um, a trap because it serves seemingly to protect us and give us control over our environment if we think we know what other people think of us <laughs> and um, or we think we we kind of can discern what they're how they're evaluating us we're trying to read their mind this is um, I can't stress enough um, how much this can affect a relationship making an assumption is extremely dangerous Um, we don't know the heart. Only God knows the heart. We're not to judge the heart, the Bible says. We're to know each other by our fruit. We're to know that other believers by the fruit of the spirit that we exhibit. We are not to judge somebody's heart motives. When we start getting into that territory, we're really playing around in the enemy's camp because the Bible says also let the the yes be yes and your no be no, and anything beyond that is of the devil. That's a scripture verse. So when you're going into trying to assume what someone's thinking or feeling um, without hearing from them the truth and you're just perception, that's always going to lead you into a place that is not just unhealthy, but it's going to cause you to jump to some, some wrong conclusions. Um, and uh not even just with other people but about life in general assumptions are a relationship killer they can be they don't aren't always assumptions and unmet expectations are too very um strong uh have very strong impact on um Someone's relationship with another person. Um, and so that goes into a relational component that we're not necessarily discussing tonight, but I feel it's important to bring those two things up. Assumptions and unmet expectations, um, might be in, uh, someone's life right now who's listening and causing, um, causing a lot of heartache. And so when you address those two things directly, there can be healing that the Lord can bring. So the final um, unhealthy uh, pattern, thought pattern that I'm going to bring up tonight is victimization. And this is not someone who truly has been a victim of abuse or of a crime or of fraud or something like that. This is not what I'm talking about. Victimization is a, a mentality, a mindset that, constantly has an undercurrent of no one understands me. Um, no one gets me. Um, I, I'll i never have anybody to help me out of this. I'll be stuck in this forever. It's that type of thing. It's almost, it it, it runs parallel with pity, with kind of a self-pity, um, you know, attitude towards life. Um, and so people that are stuck in, in victimization, they transact with others. To invite either criticism they look for rescue they look for people to enable them so that they can they kind of become comfortable with with their situation even though it's unhealthy you know people gravitate towards what's familiar even when it's not good for them so with a victim mentality it's real easy to stay in, in a mindset of blaming other people for what why you're at where you're at Instead of taking that personal responsibility and going before the Lord and saying, Lord, I don't want to live under this victim mentality. I want to live according to who you say I am. Um, Sometimes victimization can be difficult to recognize because this thought pattern can, in some people can be subconscious. It can be subconscious. They may have been raised in a way that they have always felt that they've been a victim of circumstances, of other people's actions, of situations in life and so forth. Um, So help is usually needed in recognizing whether or not you've got a victim mentality. But as I said, going before the Lord and asking him to search our hearts, really with all of these thought patterns that I just presented you with is a great start um, on beginning to align your mind with the mind of Christ and beginning to um, move away from double-mindedness, move away from thinking patterns that are destructive to your life. And so I just hope that what we discussed tonight will encourage you really to commit to the process of renewing your mind. Um, the Holy Spirit does his part and he provides the strength that we need, but this is also a discipline that we have to do on our part. And it certainly is not always an easy one, but it's so well worth every bit of energy that we're willing to put into it. When we have healthy thought patterns and healthy belief systems, everything else flows from that. Sometimes it does take professional intervention to help you change your thought patterns, but renewing your mind with the Word of God, the living and active Word of God is so key in going from being a double-minded person who's unstable in all your ways to somebody who's single-minded and has his focus his or her focus on the Lord. And that will help you get to the point where you can have the mind of Christ and to have his soundness of mind that he offers you. So that's all the time that we've got left for tonight, and I'd just like to close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to um, to bring um, your word and your truths, Lord God, and I just uh, thank you for this privilege to be able to share what you've laid on my heart tonight for those who are listening, Lord, in all parts of the world, Lord, where this message is being carried by your grace and to your glory only. And we just ask God that what was spoken, that it would minister to the hearts and minds of those listening. Lord, we thank you, God, that you'll bring to recollection some of the um, points that I made tonight, Lord, as people are in need of remembering them, Lord God. I pray that this would be a starting point in in lives for people to really begin to look at how they view things and and to want to avoid this trap of double-mindedness and being on shaky ground and and being indecisive and not having a firm, steadfast walk with you. I pray that, um, Lord, that you would just instill within all of us a stronger desire to have that single-mindedness of purpose Um, In our lives as we seek to bring glory to you, Lord, I also pray for healing um, to all those listening in all areas that they would need it. We thank you, God, for being our Jehovah Rapha, God, our healer. And we just ask now that you would bless each one, protect them, keep them safe and healthy. We ask all this in your glorious and holy name. Amen. Well, thank you once again, and I hope you'll join me again. Um, next month for my broadcast and if you'd like to contact me directly at Healing Word which is my private practice uh, feel free to call 414-254-9862 or you can visit my website at healing-word.com thank you so much and God's richest blessings be upon you